This is Tom Parry here for Artsmitten. I'm joined by Darcy Reid and Arnie Jurachak, who are two of my co-hosts from the Film 101 podcasts, and we're here today to talk all things Melbourne International Film Festival. So, Arnie, could you just give us a bit of background as to the Melbourne Film Festival for those who aren't familiar with it? Well, the Melbourne Film Festival has a uh, long uh, 68... This is, I believe, its 68th edition now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a widespread history. Obviously, this is the largest program as well today. They've uh, they've got over 200 films. They've got uh, short films as well, a, a wide uh, array of short films, and they've got virtual uh, reality experiences as well. So there's um, a lot this year that just hasn't been seen in previous years, and there's just a lot more content accessible for film fanatics and just the the regular Joe of all kinds. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to myth this year that 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 we haven't seen um, in prior years. Excellent. My first myth was last year, and I went and saw Mirai the film by Mamoru Hisada, and it was an absolutely fantastic experience. Uh, Darcy, how many myths have you been to in your lifetime? I've only been to a couple, but last year was definitely like the first one I definitely dove headfirst into, getting mm. the mini-passing, I think, 14 films last year in Ooh, wow. two weeks. That was mm. just a lot of uh, one film ending, running to a different cinema to catch another. They really focused a lot last couple years of getting a lot of Khan movies, Mm. into the schedule and yeah they definitely went even further in this year yeah definitely they've got a lot of Sundance films this year including a lot of the critical darlings from that festival Sundance of course being the huge independent film festival in Utah in the Mm. United States Uh, we might jump into a few of the movies that are you know basically being highlighted at this year's film festival the tentpole releases if you like on opening night, we've got a documentary. It's The Australian Dream. It's directed by Daniel Gordon, and it's about uh, Adam Goods post-retirement. So for those who aren't familiar, Adam <coughs> Goods was the fabulous Sydney Swans footballer, two-time Brownlow medalist, Australian of the Year, and he left the game after being booed incessantly by the AFL crowds and community. It comes after the release of the final quarter at Sydney Film Festival, which was screened recently on Network 10, and that used entirely archival footage to tell its story about Adam Goods' final years in the game. So it's sort of like we've got two different sides to the Adam Goods story. So this one is where he's telling it, and it has the input of Stan Grant, the ABC journalist, as well. Arnie Darcy, are you looking forward to this one? What are your hopes for this? I'm really interested to the fact that they're opening with not only an Australian project, but a documentary as well. Like, that's something they really haven't really, like, focused on in a lot mm. of myths previously. They've always kind of gone into, like, the big name uh, American releases. So it's mm. good that they're diving into both documentary and Australian cinema. Yeah, well, I won't be able to catch this one, but I, I too agree um, that, you know, by focusing on a, a really key figure in um, Australian sporting history and just in, in Australian um, society in general, in Adam Goods, mm. it, it's a really nice step for Miff um, and to kind of uh, get his message across as well and give him a platform um, in, in the form of this documentary to kind of spread awareness about kind of what happens in our game behind the behind the scenes of the game and obviously on the field as well. I think it's important that this is, you know, front and centre of myth, especially for this year, yeah. Mm, absolutely. And it's really interesting as well because when Adam Goods retired, he was sort of seen as this quite divisive figure. But with the release of these two documentaries, it's sort of turning his profile around once again to the point where the AFL has officially apologised for not doing more to stamp out racism while he was yeah. playing. Yeah, I think race in Australia is kind of has a long way to go, and I kind of hope this kind of puts on the right path.
I'm sure it will, absolutely. It's directed by Daniel Gordon, and um, it's getting a general release, actually, as soon as the festival ends. So if you don't have yeah. a chance to see it at uh, MIF, then you will definitely get the chance not long after. Mm-hmm. Another documentary which uh, is I'm most interested in is Watergate, or How We Learn to Stop an Out-of-Control President. <laughs> Okay. The actual title? Yes, that is the actual long-form title. (laughs) Yes, it's directed by Charles Ferguson. It's supposed to be airing on Foxtel soon, and it runs for four and a half hours. Yes, that's where I was at. I'm sorry. Yeah, (laughs) and so you're going to be seeing the entire documentary in a cinema, and you're just going to be exhausted. It's not the first time this sort of thing has happened, though, because if you remember... Uh, OJ Made in America. Yeah. Yeah, the ESPN documentary. That well, was originally... I did not watch that over one afternoon. No, no, <laughs> no you definitely couldn't. <laughs> that it's... was a week's journey. Yes, but that originally appeared in cinemas as well, and that aired in, I think, in an eight-hour block. Yeah, So, okay. uh, so that's yeah, it's, that's definitely something I couldn't do. Like, yeah. sitting in a cinema for four and a half hours... You're saying bit... you're not going to the Jeff Goldblum marathon? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I love Jeff Goldblum, but... No, no. I don't I... think Jeff Goblin will go to the Jeff Goblin marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Thor Ragnarok is like the fourth film. You're like, oh, okay, this is this is stretching. <laughs> but whoever can go to those marathons, props to them. Um, they are especially if you're a big fan of it. I know the Nick Cage oh, one the last Nick Cage year. One last yeah, year that was, was really that was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, so they, they can be pleasant experiences, especially yeah. if you're kind of um, really really into that and really attached yeah. to those um, directors. And I like that actors. Myth doesn't like go all in on like the art house like cinephile kind of area mm. they kind of expand to more casual fans as well mm. which I think is like the main concern with festivals like this is that you get the people that they know are going to go to a film festival they're trying to get other people that are less likely to attend mm. Mm. making them more for the masses I guess yeah exactly mm. which I think is where the Tarantino appeal is one and really comes in it's yeah, going to be a draw card yes speaking of which yeah. Tarantino's ninth film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it is making its Australian debut I believe here at this festival, and it is getting a general release again mm. d- soon after the festival ends. Mm-hmm. But uh, Arnie, Darcy, you're both seeing this at <laughs> oh, the yes. premiere. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, I think we're both looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it's coming out. Obviously, that's twelve days before its, it's wider release in Australia. It's the Australian um, premiere. Um, definitely a, a big draw card for me. Um, I really want to see where kind of Tarantino is taking um, this kind of borderline uh, Hollywood Renaissance period and kind of the studio era. You know, time frame that he's dealing with. I really want to see where he kind of takes it and what he does with um, the actors at his disposal. Obviously, Margot Robbie's um, in there. We've also got uh, uh, Damon uh, Harriman, who's playing our notorious killer Charles Manson. Yeah. So there's twice in a year as well. Yeah, <laughs> yes. weird typecast. Yeah, me and Darcy great. were talking about this before. It'd be weird if he, if he ended up getting typecast <laughs> as that role for the rest of his career. But um, it, it is a it is a nice nice to see kind of our um, fellow Australians kind of getting into these big production yeah. films as well and obviously it's, it's no nothing out of the ordinary for Margot Robbie at this stage um, there's also Luke Perry in his final on screen role mm-hmm. so that's going to okay. be yeah, yeah okay. that's going to be an interesting one to see as well and um, obviously the big names DiCaprio mm. um, Kurt Russell I believe is in there as well and then you've got Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt. Yeah. yeah so th- there's a lot to look forward to this film uh, what do you guys think of it? Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. It, of course, takes place in 1969, which is a turning point for Hollywood. The story shares some similarities with Zeroville, which was a novel put out not too long ago. What I'm most intrigued by is the positive reception it's been receiving so far at Cannes and at the other previews. I mean, people are loving this. They're saying it's the best film that Tarantino's done since Pulp Fiction.
Nation. Yeah, that's that's what I've been hearing a lot as well. Yeah, and it follows a similar sort of storyline to Pulp Fiction because it's not just one single narrative; it's a series of these narratives told in a non-linear fashion. From what yeah. I've seen so far, well, Sight and Sound said it's an absolute blast—the pure giddy rush of uh, thrillingly confident, expansive filmmaking that showcases the most resonant and satisfying storytelling that he, uh, Tarantino has given us over the last two decades. And that's a big call considering the films that have come in those two yeah. decades from Tarantino like, I mean it's a good lesson yeah but I really enjoy Tarantino in like a packed cinema like that's like where I think his movies really thrive mm, like I saw Hateful Eight at the premiere two years ago when it came out the 2015 so going 2015. on it's been a while four years yeah, ago holy yeah. moly and that, was, that had buzz of him potentially being at the cinema where he ended up going to Hawthorne and said and that was an upsetting day. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it, it wasn't a great movie, but, like, the environment that he creates in a packed cinema is just, like, second to none. Mm. And that's, like, what I'm looking forward to the most. And who knows? He might make a special appearance maybe, here. Maybe we don't know. Well, he does love <laughs> Australia, and he has been known oh, for visiting yeah. our country, our festivals. He loves exploitation films as Sam well. Jackson he's big on that. So. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great to see. Oh, he's not in the film, though, he's unfortunately. He's not. Might be DiCaprio, though. Mm. Mm, possibly, <laughs> yes. Now, uh, speaking of blockbuster fare, The Beach Bum is also making its Australian premiere, directed by Harmony Corrine, who's known for such classic films as Spring Breakers and Trash Humpers. Hey, hey, kids is like one of the best films of the 80s. Uh, okay, 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 I digress. You call it you call it a blockbuster. I wouldn't actually deem this film a blockbuster. I mean, it's got a budget of $5 million and it didn't really make back, um, but mm. the cast that it's got, I mean, it's gone kind of under the radar for a lot of, a lot of people and obviously kind of these more niche um, underground audiences have really taken yeah. a liking to it. I think Harmony uh, Corrine... His, his sort of uh, film really do appeal to that sort of audience. He's mm. not really a mainstream filmmaker as such. But yeah, like when you look at the, you know, the names on here, Matthew McConaughey, and then you've obviously got, you know, Zac Efron, and there's Isla Fisher and um, uh, Snoop Dogg and Martin mm. Lawrence. I think Jonah Hill's in there Jonah as well. Jonah Hill, yeah. big names. Like, oh, and to have that in this film, I mean, and to have it screening at MIFF, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think it's really yeah. in demand as well, so. Yeah, absolutely, it is. You know, fun fact... Harmony Korine is the only person to be banned from David Letterman's show. That's fantastic. <laughs> is that true? Yes, it is I true. Feel like, I feel like Letterman would have banned so many more people, though. <laughs> I, I just think he's that sort of guy. No, no, no. He is the only one. Oh, right. Another of the blockbusters which is making its Australian premiere at MIFF is Jim Jamush's The Dead Don't Die. It's kind of like a deadpan zombie movie. It stars Adam Driver and Bill Murray, who are just perfectly cast in the role. I mean, they've got such a great dynamic. I don't know about you, but I'm looking most forward to zombie Iggy Pop oh, being yes. attacked by Tom Waits. Like that. <laughs> uh, Arnie, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one as well. Um, obviously, we're seeing, we've seen a couple of um, zombie sort of films come in this year. There's Dark Place as well, which is another, mm. it's an Australian production. So there's interesting direction here that we, you know, we're seeing these sort of zombie-ish films. I'm not sure whether this is a comedy, though. It's not. It's called comedy horror. It seemed like um, life. Lighthearted, I guess. Yeah, I'm it thinking, does. I'm it's thinking like Shaun of the Dead when I think of this. Then, like, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping it might be something like that. I'm but not too sure. Shaun of the Dead was more manic, though. It had this energy to it, and watching the trailers for this and reading some of the reviews, it seems kind of lethargic in its mm. delivery. Well, it's got Tilda Swinton as well, who's also mm. going to be making a, an appearance in another film, uh, which we'll talk about, The Souvenir. But yeah, like a really interesting cast. Well, Danny Glover's in it, Steve Buscemi, oh, yes, Selena Gomez. Are we interested to see, yeah, what sort of Jim Jarmusch we get? Because like, Only Lovers Left Alive was like a very different movie to Patterson, his Adler, Adam Driver movie, which I think was one of the best mm. movies of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
So we're interested to see, like, which kind of spectrum it falls under. Well, uh, the Telegraph called it a winningly eccentric way to usher in the zombie apocalypse. Okay, <laughs> so, that sounds great. Yeah, as if it's forthcoming and it's predicted to arrive. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope this kind of spurs on more zombie films in the coming years, because we haven't seen too many of them recently. Good ones, at least. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, yeah, there's a good reason we haven't seen too many of them. Uh, but, Arnie, you mentioned The Souvenir with Tilda Swinton, so do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, she stars alongside her daughter, um, Honor Swinton Byrne, um, um, who's in, uh, this is uh, Joanna Hogg's um, intimate kind of semi-autobiographical uh, drama, which won um, a Sundance Grand Jury Prize. So it's got a lot of kind of um, hype coming into this um, festival, and it's been also another big draw card. So I think it was like in the top five films as well for, from Metacritic. Yeah, kind of yeah, so, yeah this year's Myth's got four of the top five Metacritic films, and this was, I think, the top of the year so far. Uh, no, I think it's... Uh, or is Portrait of the Lady Portrait of the Lady of Fire, and then I think it's this one, yeah. yeah. But uh, there's a yeah. lot of um, critical kind of uh, praise coming towards it. And yeah, I think audience audiences are like really kind of keen to see it. It's coming from the UK as well. And Martin Scorsese actually executively produced this. Mm. So yeah, they've got, got the, that backing got as well. And when you've got that name, yeah, you know where yeah. it goes from there. <laughs> well, well, mind you, he also was an executive producer on Free Fire. The, uh, oh, what's his name? The... The director who also did High Rise, Ben Wheatley. That's the one, and um, that wasn't very well received at all. Look, 2019's been good for Scorsese. Like, the uh, Bob Dylan documentary he made is my favourite movie this year, and he made that. Mm. And he's got got The Irishman coming out later in the year as well. Big year, big year for him. Featuring the return of Joe Pesci. Of course, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a bit, yeah. a bit of a muted yeah. response there. I was expecting more of a well, cheer. Well, I don't know what to expect because I haven't yeah. seen him in so long on screen. So, but I'm hoping he'll still be the same Joe Pesci that we've decades. we've come to know. And for the souvenir as well, a sequel's apparently already in the works. Seriously, yeah, that's interesting. Apparently, there's a sequel already in the works. I don't like know. Auto- Semi autobiographical sequel. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't, yeah, you don't see it. It sounds too interesting because, like, the semi autobiographical movie, because it's going to keep going. Yeah. So, so like, where do they take it? Should well, she just keep making it about herself? That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. I have faith though in Joanna Hogg if she's if she's doing this. So um, let's let's check it out and, and hopefully enjoy it. Uh, Darcy, another film you mentioned off air that you're really keen for is The Day She'll Come. Can you tell us a bit uh, about yeah. that? So uh, fans of the IT crowds uh, like me, uh, boss <laughs> uh, Chris uh, Chris Morris has somehow become like a really good writer director, and he's made this uh, satire. With um, Jesse Armstrong, who wrote uh, In the Loop and last year's Succession TV show. Mm. And uh, it stars Anna Kendrick, but it's focusing on uh, this African-American preacher who uh, returns back to Miami and finds out, basically, that uh, the FBI is sponsoring his work and kind of cutting it. It sounds like an absolutely ridiculous movie, but a lot of fun and made by really good uh, satirical comedy writers. So I'm looking forward to that. It sounds almost surrealist. Yeah, I I feel like it might fall into kind of like the Sorry to Bother You, that sort of film. I love that movie. that's, That's the potential I think it has, even though it's not getting perfect reviews but it also hasn't been seen by many people so there's there's hope for it we might move on to some of the australian releases that are appearing at MIFT this year i think we mentioned before the nightingale which Mm -hmm. uh, has uh damon herriman in it so this is the second of three films he's appearing in at this year's festival it's directed by jennifer kent who also did the babadook and that was just well received the world over it's become a proper cult film now it has absolutely and Another fun fact, it made more money in the United Kingdom than it did in Australia. 
And but that's yeah. rare for but an Australian Australian film. horror is like, that's our biggest weak yep. point in terms mm. of our cinema. And we so had that conversation on Film 101, I think. Uh, uh, we we did. Season one, yeah. Not too long ago. This is also her first film since Barbadoc, which is five years ago. Yeah, like going on five years, yeah. So I think like the hype for this movie is pretty big. It is. It did appear at the Sydney Film Festival earlier in the year, and a lot of people were really quite taken aback by it. It prompted walkouts. The scenes the scenes were seen to be Ooh, confronting. So, yeah, and there is actually a warning on the Myth website that says it has high-impact sexual violence and scenes of child abuse. Okay, well, yeah. So, yeah, it, okay. it's definitely brutal. And But it's been praised as well because of the way that it kind of deals with these, yeah, with more, these heavy yeah. themes. Mm. Yeah. All critics have praised it because of that. And even though it is, a, it is a, uh, probably a confronting film, um, but... Jennifer can't, you know, have faith in her, especially after the Babadook, mm. that she can handle these sort of themes really well. Yeah. On a more positive note, there's also a family film called H is for Happiness, which is premiering <laughs> at MIFF this year. It's directed by John Sheedy. This is the world premiere, so it hasn't been seen okay. anywhere else. It's made its premiere yeah. here in Melbourne. It's got an all-star cast, Miriam Margulies, Richard Roxborough, Deborah Mailman, and it's about a relentlessly optimistic girl who tries to make everybody in her life happy. So, you know, her dad's not talking to his brother, her mum's suffering depression after the death of her other child, so, yeah, uh, this is going to be really interesting, I think. Okay. There's other films as well that are kind of be- being heavy as well on that. There's like mm. a film like uh, Below, mm-hmm. which comes from um, M- Maziar Lahuti. So, mm-hmm. that's actually got Ryan Kaur and Ath- Anthony uh, LaPaglia in it. Mm. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's a peach black comedy with a unique and uniquely uh, provocative take on Australia's controversial asylum seeker detention system. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting film to look at as well, especially in the kind of current climate that we've got with um, with immigration mm-hmm. and laws pertaining to kind of immigration. So, yeah, <coughs> definitely one to look at as well. Is yeah. that like a really strong year for myth in terms of Australian cinema? I mean, which is good. yeah, Measure for Measure as well, which um, mm-hmm. I'm actually seeing. So, that's uh, a um, Paul Ireland film starring... Um, uh, our very own Hugo Weaving. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, following his critically acra- uh, acclaimed uh, a porno. Um, well, a no, P A W N O. Porno. Okay, okay. okay. No, you. Tom, no. Uh, um, so he sell headlines. <laughs> <laughs> so he moves from Footscray to uh, Paran's Commission Flats for this contemporary reinterpretation of Shakespeare. So it's it's an interesting kind of uh, direction as well that he's going uh, at with that film. Hmm. And hmm. another Australian film, well, it's more of an Australian production, really. It's directed by Mira forks it's called duty and punch and it describes itself as a fantasy feminism and fanaticism film which is reinterpreting reinterpreting punch and duty for the me too era so for those who aren't aware punch and duty it's a puppet show basically they beat each other senseless and it's moved from well it is set in the 16th century but they're trying to rewrite it and sort of you know provide their own interpretation of these characters and this is the third movie that damon harriman appears in at the festival mm. and it's also got mia wasikowska um there's also dark place so that's um, directed. It's another Australian film uh, and the other kind of zombie-ish film um, that's gracing our screens. It's actually directed by five up-and-coming Indigenous filmmakers. Five so, filmmakers. Yeah, there's five that's directors here. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to look at as well. And it's basically about outback zombies, supernatural housing projects, female revenge, sleep deprivation, and gothic spookiness. So yeah, great way to sell it as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming back to documentaries, one I forgot to mention before: Meeting Gorbachev, and it has uh, the former leader of the Soviet. Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, being interviewed by legendary American journalist Werner Herzog. Yeah, it's interesting that this is a movie that isn't made by Herzog, but Mm. is just interviewed by him. I think the director Mm. wanted his interview style, but not like his fingerprints all over the rest of it. 
and, and that's fair take. sometimes. Sometimes, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes better to take yourself out of the picture and maybe let someone else sort of yeah. guide you in yeah. a way. Yes, and Gorbachev has always been an inherently fascinating figure he, for he's me. He's like one of the most underrated, I think, like world figures. Mm. Uh, it'd be interesting, yeah, having him front and center of a documentary. Mm. I was seeing a recent interview of him on the BBC. He's still patriotically Russian and he supports Vladimir Putin, but again, he was also the very same person who introduced a small L liberal economy into yeah, yeah. Um, communist Russia. So, yeah, he's just a fascinating man. Yeah. There's a film that's actually, it's directed by, I believe, a French director, Varun uh, Sassandran. It come, uh, it, it's about uh, an, an event that happened, uh, the genocide that happened in my country, Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Omarska, and uh, this is basically um, in, the, in the absence of a physical monument to honour those who perished. Um, survivors of the Omarska um, concentration camp recollect their experiences in order to reconstruct or rather construct a memorial on film. So this, I really want to see this. It's a short. I believe this goes for like 19 minutes or something like that. But yeah, to, to look at that, especially from like a country that, that's really not on the radar as such, like on the international yeah. scale um, for films, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. And so, MIFT always does a really good job of like having their short in like a one night kind of package they're doing this as mm, um, great. it's like a 19 minute short and then they're following it up with another film as well so it's, it's kind of two films in one oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. That, that one's going to be an interesting one that I, another, I'm really looking forward to yeah, as well another interesting thing MIFF did which I ha- went to last year and they're doing again is at the planetarium they do mm. uh, like an audio visual mm. like dome it's filmed with like dome cameras and you're basically like sit lie back and you're just, like, washed with, like, a nature documentary and, like, a spatialization kind of, like, abstract film. It's always really interesting to go to. They provo- Yeah, they provide new experiences, and I think yeah. VR as well. And That's VR, why hev- yeah, going really hard into this year. And it's really popular this year as well. Mm. So, yeah, whoever can get around to that. Yeah, definitely. Them, yeah. Yeah. Um, th- we haven't mentioned The Farewell. Yeah, yeah, so it is the closing night of the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival. It's directed by Lulu Wang, and it was an absolute darling of the Sundance Film Festival. It stars Aquafina as a Chinese-American woman returning to Changchung province in China under the pretense of a wedding, but it's actually to say goodbye to her dying grandmother. Mm. Yeah, yeah, interesting premise for a film. Well, it's also Aquafina's first dramatic role, mm. which I think is most interesting. Yeah, yeah. She, well, she, she yeah, she got claimed for um, Crazy Rich Asians as well, and then yeah. obviously in Ocean's 8 she was mm. in that as well. Um, so yeah, it is interesting to see her kind of going, because she's come from a music background, I believe. It has. Yeah, she has. Yeah, yeah. and then going into kind of uh, more comedic roles and now into something more serious, so mm. it's an interesting direction uh, for her as an actress. Mm. Um, and also, Wang recently received the Sundance Institute's uh, Vanguard Award in honour of the Farewell's um, innovation, originality, and independent spirit. So yeah. Again, some nice hype going into that film. Mm, and I've heard nothing but good things about Aquafina's performance in this, yeah. so it's bound to be great. And it's an A24 film, which... Oh, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, the film buffs are absolutely going to love it. <laughs> uh, one last film I'd like to mention before we head back to regular arts with and programming is... Oko's Inn, it's by Kotaro Kosaka, who is an animator who's worked on a number of Studio Ghibli productions, and it's about a girl who lives with her grandmother after her parents die in a car crash, and she befriends a group of ghosts. So yeah, it's a typical anime storyline there. Yeah, but it's drawn comparisons with My Neighbor Totoro and also Only Yesterday, two earlier Ghibli works. So yeah, that could potentially be an interesting movie to see. Is it an animation? It is an animation, 2D, of course, drawn in the anime style. So that doesn't appeal to many people. I don't mind it. I think it's kind of cool. There's an audience out there for everything. I mean, Ghibli, Mm. like any like Ghibli alum has like had a pretty good track record, I think, recently. 
Mm. It was definitely worth seeing. Um, there's a couple of films I just wanted to quickly mention as well that, that are in the top five of Metacritic's um, films to, I guess, see in 2019. Um, yeah. Long Day's Journey Into Night, the B Gun film. So uh, he, he did a, a film in 2016 as well yeah. that was. He was a poet for like, I think, 20 years before yeah. that and started making films. So like, it's got a very kind of noirish style from what I can tell. Like yeah. the sort of. Um, it's basically being hyped as like, it's like this nice long film, but then also has a 55 minute single take 3D film, which is like. Whoa. That's yeah. That's what's basically being like thrown out as like this is what the film is. But apparent like the actual quality of the film is supposed to be like actually amazing. Well, it goes for 140 minutes, so I'd imagine it's you know from the look of it. And I've just seen a couple of stills here. Looks oh, ve- it like looks yeah, incredible. It looks yeah. really well this shot. This is a film and- I think I was looking forward to the most, knowing that we probably weren't getting it anywhere else. And it was breaking uh, art house Chinese box office records for, like the last couple. Um, yeah, last eight months I think. And you were mentioning as well, Darcy, before for Pain and Glory, which is also another film screening. Um, from uh, Pedro Almodovar, excuse my pronunciation, um, that comes from Spain. Um, so it's got Antonio Banderas and apparently he, and Penelope, and Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Apparently Antonio Banderas. Yeah, is- he won the Khan Award for Best Actor. Oh, yeah, which is something too. you don't correlate with Antonio Banderas, famous <laughs> for. Puss in Boots and uh, Desperado. Spy Kids. And what was that dancing film he was in as well? It was like where he was like the dance teacher. Uh, shall we dance? I, no, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it was Step Up. It was, no, it wasn't. It's step close. Up. Something it's, like it's, it's probably borderline before Bell of all of it's those. It's a Shall We Dance yeah. equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mix of all of those. So it's a really interesting. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to seeing that. Mm, uh, one last film before I forget. Unofficial Secrets. It stars Kiera Knightley and it's about a British journalist who receives files from the Iraq war and about whether or not she can publish them. So that's going to be... And it's been getting good reviews so far overseas from early screenings. So I'm looking yeah. forward to and that one And one of one the hi- well. highest ra- uh, rated... You know, critically acclaimed films of the year, The Portrait of a Lady of yeah. On Fire. Yeah, mm. one uh, the best screen, uh, best screenplay award at Cannes. It's mm. um, it's a French film. It, it's it's really interesting film. Like it's about basically an isolated um, like a uh, young woman who's basically falling in love with this person that's uh, commissioned to paint her. Mm. And, and she like paints her in secrecy or something as well. She like follows her around. She doesn't know that she's painting. I don't know her from too much about it, but that's yeah, what I read. Like that she yeah, kind okay. of doesn't know that she's being kind of painted. And then yeah, it's just like, okay. yeah, and then the, the kind of relationship stands for that. So yeah, heaps of, heaps of films to see at this yeah, year's Melbourne oh, yeah. International <laughs> Film Festival. Never and, enough time. And we should be completely honest. We have um, second goal or ambition of this or rather this segment it's to promote our film 101 podcast of course we'll be doing a myth special once mm-hmm. the festival is over and talking about the releases we've loved some of the ones we disliked maybe mm-hmm. ones that took us by surprise we'll pretty much yeah. be recapping myth as a whole yeah oh. <laughs> our, our, our experience at least Sum of the up. festival yeah. the, the various venues we attend what was the kind of um, festive uh, environment and kind of atmosphere and whether yeah, we kind that's of, the best part of myth exactly mm-hmm. creating the atmosphere yeah. and the community and sharing those kind of opinions and thoughts with various other cinephiles and just you know regular people that, that love to go and um, watch a couple of great films yeah it's, so keep an eye out for that podcast through the official channels it's omni.fm forward slash shows forward slash film hyphen one zero one. And when's Myth on, Tom? Myth is on from August the first, which is uh, the upcoming Wednesday, and it will be running until the seventeenth of August. So eighteenth, um, actually, eighteenth of August. Yep. There we are. I nearly had the dates right, but uh, yeah. So you have a good two and a half weeks. And it's the, to... the first is on uh, actually Thursday, so it'll be it'll be from the uh, the Thursday up until the eighteenth. The there we are. So I had the dates right, it's but the days wrong. It's a loose <laughs> <festival>. <laughs> 
Yeah, but so yeah, you'll have a good uh, two and a half weeks to see all these films. And yes, of course, if there are any films you're keen on or any films you want us to check out, please be sure to uh, get us or get in touch with us through our social media channels, either through Arts Britain's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or the Film One Hundred One page on Facebook.